Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. And now for something completely different. Hello and welcome in. It's the Gig Cocky Podcast. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. You can catch me Wednesdays on ACP with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell and also every weekday at noon on 107.5 The Game. Got a great podcast for you guys today. Before we get into a Missouri preview with former Carolina quarterback Perry Orth, I want to remind y'all to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast if you like it and you want us to keep doing it. Also share it with your friends. That is the best way to support the podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the other podcasts from the Gamecock Central Podcast Network, another Carolina podcast. We call that ACP. You know, if you're cool, you can call it ACP. And don't miss Chris and Wes's emergency commit cast following Rico Powers' commitment to the Gamecocks earlier this week. They're going to be doing that for all commitments for South Carolina going forward. So that's great. Don't forget to check that out. And again, subscribe so you get all the notifications whenever a new pod goes up on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. All right, Carolina is headed to Columbia, Missouri, or what apparently people in Missouri call Como. I didn't know that was a thing, but it is, and I guess it's actually kind of cool, so I'll probably probably start calling it Como if I remember. But anyway, this is their first true road test of the season so far, and I've had way more trouble trying to figure out how this game is going to pan out than any of the other three games this year. Uh, although maybe I shouldn't say that because I ended up being so completely wrong and feeling like Carolina was going to easily cover that minus 12 in the season opener. But honestly, the game wasn't so far from what I was expecting in terms of the X's and O's. The difference was just that Sam Howell was a lot better than I expected. Jake Bentley was a lot worse than I expected. And the offensive play calling was more limited slash conservative than expected. So I guess I'll just chalk that one up as a big L. But this Missouri game, I I really truly, I, I don't have a feel, I don't even know where to start. They're in year two of a new offensive coordinator and Derek Dooley, who seems like he wants to play quicker and sort of a more spread attack than what they've looked like the last couple of years with Drew Locke, you know, being able to stretch the field vertically and things like that. They got less vertical passing right now, which makes sense given Bryant's skill set. Kelly Bryant, their new quarterback, transferred from Clemson, but I'm still unsure about his ability to operate a high powered offense, you know, just running it that way. And especially if they're not going to be running him more than he has through the first couple games of the season, he's carried 19 times for 53 yards in their first three games. That's if you take out the sacks and the sack yardage. And that's not at all what I was expecting, given that he ran the ball 173 times in 2017, which was his last full season as a starter, 173 carries. Uh, But if that Wyoming game, the season opener, which Missouri did lose, and that was in Wyoming, which apparently it's hard to play at altitude, whatever. If that Wyoming game is any indication, Derek Dooley won't have any problem calling Bryant's number a few more times in the run game, or maybe Bryant will just end up calling his own number because that ended up being a close game. They were obviously trailing. They went on to lose the game. Nine of his 19 carries this season came in that game, so maybe you can expect a little bit more of that if it's kind of a close game. But Carolina, you obviously need to watch out for that, but I think Bryant finishing the game with 16 to 20 carries would probably 
be good news for the Gamecocks. Not only would that probably be an indication that it was a close game where Missouri was trailing or had a slim lead for most of it, but I think it would also be taking carries away from Larry Roundtree. He and Tyler Beatty have really been splitting the carries pretty evenly this year, but Beatty's still definitely more of the change of pace, catch the ball out of the backfield guy. It's a Roundtree that you're worried about more running between the tackles, and that should be the number one priority for Carolina is making Missouri one-dimensional and slowing those two guys, but especially Roundtree, down between the tackles. Put the ball in Kelly Bryant's hands and let him win the game, either with his legs or throwing it down the field or whatever, but he needs to be the guy to beat Carolina. That's got to be the game plan. The one caveat to that strategy of, of just allowing Missouri to kind of dink and dunk and play what may end up looking like a similar game plan to Alabama where they're not, like I said, throwing the ball down the field. It's a lot of slants, it's a lot of RPOs, quick reads, quick decisions, quick throws, things like that. The one caveat is that if tackling ends up being an issue on Saturday, and I know I'm just even mentioning that, alluding to that is probably triggering most of you listening, but I feel like some of the issues with missed tackles, at least this past Saturday, were kind of overblown. If you haven't heard by now, the stat that has sort of been circulating around Gamecock Twitter the last half of this week has been that Alabama actually had more missed tackles statistically than Carolina did on Saturday. And three of those for Carolina were on that one really terrible slash awesome play, depending on which uh, which side of the uh, fence you're on there with the uh, Carolina-Alabama game. But three of those were in, were in one play. So that leaves you with either six or seven, depending on which metric you're looking at, missed tackles for Carolina. And it was 13 for Alabama. Now, I'm not saying that the defensive issues in general, are overblown. I'm just specifically talking about the tackling. The safety play has been bad and needs to be better. And tackling angles more than like tackling execution, I think, is what really needs to improve. Some of the big plays that were busted on Saturday weren't necessarily because an Alabama player you know, had a juke or broke a tackle or whatever, but because there wasn't even a Carolina player around to make the tackle. You look at that Ruggs touchdown, nobody really touched him, so it wasn't officially a broken tackle, but it was just it was poor angles. And that's a huge problem. It has to get better. I guess the good news this week is that Missouri doesn't have the horses to do to Carolina what Alabama just did, but that's, again, going to be their game plan to try and attack and exploit that weakness for Carolina. Can they do it with less playmaking sort of remains to be seen. Now, I think I've probably expressed different opinions on ACP and on my local show that I'm about to hear, so sorry for contradicting myself maybe as many as three times this week, but I hope that just speaks to how inscrutable I found this game to be. But I think Carolina should be able to win the game if they score 35 points, given how I have now convinced myself this game is going to go offensively for Missouri. So the question is, can the offense score 35 points? Yes, probably. And Carolina is scoring 38 points a game, but only 21 and a half against FBS schools, a 20 against North Carolina, 23 against Alabama. And if you say it was Alabama 13 points better defensively than Missouri, two touchdowns or, you know, maybe say a touchdown better and and assume that Carolina doesn't have all the unlucky breaks, wipe two touchdowns off the board. That's probably fair. That's not too much mental gymnastics to come to that conclusion. But Missouri's probably almost certainly not 15 points worse defensively than North Carolina. Um, but that's the other part of why this is so hard. It almost feels like the North Carolina game now is irrelevant because of how different the offense is with Helensky at the helm. So we have to decide how good Carolina's offense is based on one game against the worst team Carolina's played this decade, maybe even this century, and one other game against the best team in the country or the second best team in the country, whatever you want to call Alabama. Meanwhile, Missouri, you know, they don't have the same range in terms of you know, playing the best team in the country and the worst team of the decades. I mean, Southeastern Missouri State's bad, but they also play them every year. But playing at altitude and losing to a now 3-0 and Wyoming team that also beat Idaho and Texas State doesn't really tell you much more than 
their week two drubbing of a West Virginia team that's two and one and just upset NC State last week. It's it's really hard. Again, it's not the same range, but those games still don't really tell you anything because we know so little about those opponents. And I think it's safe to say that we'll learn more about both of these teams, South Carolina and Missouri, in this game than any of each of their previous three games. And the other weird part about this is both both fan bases seem pretty optimistic. I think projections on sort of the Missouri media and fan side of it are favoring Missouri and kind of the inverse here in Columbia. Nine and a half is a really weird line. And the Carolina-Missouri games are always kind of weird, even before Missouri joined the SEC. I mean, you can talk about the Andrew Baggett game. There's the Monsoon game. There was the weird game when Missouri scored two touchdowns in the last seven minutes to win 21 to 20. But even before... Missouri joined the SEC. You go back to the 2005 Independence Bowl. I mean, that was a that was a very bizarre game where Missouri outscored South Carolina 17 to three in the fourth quarter. So all that to say, I'm not making a pick for this. All I know is there's a lot riding on this game. It's very strange, and I truly have no inkling either way what the heck is going to happen on Saturday. But maybe Perry Orth can help us figure this thing out. So without further ado, it's time to go in the huddle with former South Carolina quarterback Perry Orth. All right, joining me on the other line now former South Carolina quarterback, recent former South Carolina quarterback, Perry Orth. Perry, I really appreciate you taking some time to sit down with us this morning and give us your thoughts on an impressive early start from Ryan Halinski and what's certainly going to be a, a bellwether game for, for South Carolina and maybe for Missouri this weekend in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Ryan, I think he's impressed all of us. Uh, you know, he, he's a, obviously a true freshman quarterback, but for him to play with the confidence that he's playing with and uh, always knew he had the ability, but whenever, you know, kids are, are young and they have the ability to play at that level, you never truly know, are they going to, are they going to be able to adapt to the speed of the game or are, are they going to, are they going to be okay when they get hit for the first time? How are they going to react in front of 80,000 people and they're playing on primetime TV? You just never know. And, and he has, um, he has seized the moment. There's no question about it. So are you surprised by how quickly he's been able to, to pick up the offense, and again, not even just the X's and O's, but the ability to to command it confidently? You know, not the offense. I think that's the easiest part about playing quarterback is memorizing the playbook. I think that the the most impressive part for me is that he um, he's adjusted to the speed of the game. I, I don't think people, because when you watch on TV or you're up in the stands, you don't really get a true justice of how fast everything moves and at the pace that it does. And so to see him play and be able to pick up on that as quickly as he has is, is the most impressive part. I think that playing quarterback, it really comes down to how fast you can make, how fast you can make your read and, and how quickly you can get the ball to your hand. And I saw a stat that saying that he's leading the conference and, in, and uh, in getting the ball out of his hand as far as like from the time he catches the snap until the time he releases it. So um, I think that just speaks volumes of the kind of, you know, the work ethic that he puts into it, but also, you know, he's just a natural, instinctive quarterback. You know, I think everyone will agree as he drops back and you can literally see him progressing through his read that was like he was born to play the position. So um, I'm really, really excited about his future here. I'm glad you mentioned that stat about the quick release. I was wondering if you had seen that. And if you didn't, I was going to bring it up anyway. Uh, do you happen to know how quickly on average you released the football when you were playing? I think it was like three or four seconds. And so for some reason, it always ended up in the other team's hands. So. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I'm selling insurance now and not playing football. Oh, <laughs> man. Don't don't undersell yourself because you still got a great quarterback camp, too. You got a lot to teach to young quarterbacks as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, I, I think I was in the somewhere between the two and three, probably right around that standard, standard offense. Now, I, I will say that 
that playing under Spurrier in that type of system, um, that wasn't a West Coast get the ball to your hand quickly. That was a you, you take time progressing through reads and different things like that. I'd be interested to see um, kind of where I stood. That's a, that's a cool little stat. And you're right. It, it doesn't exactly just necessarily say, okay, you get the ball out of your hands more quickly. It makes you a better quarterback. I think last year, Tua, who we all know is a tremendous quarterback, was around 2.7 or 2.8 in terms of his average release. So uh, what are the factors? Uh, you mentioned you know, just sort of the offensive scheme could be a factor, but is this just something that Helensky is naturally good at, or is it something that Brian McClendon's asking him to do differently? I think it's both. I think that Brian is, is asking Ryan to, to get the ball out of his hand quickly because here's the thing is that he is still a true freshman. He, you, you don't want a true freshman spending a lot of time in the dropback world. You, you want to get the ball to his hand quick, get him confidence, get him in a rhythm of the game. But also you want to get the ball to your playmaker's hands um, in, in space. And, and that kind of West Coast um, type of offense is, is something that we've kind of adapted to. And then as we've seen, the, the first drive of each game, they've been real quick, short, precise passes. And then as the game progresses, um, then then you can put Ryan, once he gets the confidence, into that drop back world and, and uh, I, I've really enjoyed watching him play in in that drop back passing game where you know he hits that three step drop and you can see him progressing through his reads because he sees the field very well and um, and, and you can tell he doesn't lock in on one read and kind of get stuck on it. He plays through it and um, it, it's really neat to watch, especially at his young age. So going through the progressions, I think is something that a lot of people don't pick up on because they don't know what it's like to go through the progressions themselves. So it's hard to tell when somebody else is doing. Uh, is there anything else that stood out to you from Helensky that you think people at home that don't have the experience of being in the locker room of you know sitting in the quarterback room would necessarily pick up on, whether it's footwork or anything else? Yeah, I think that uh, probably his biggest improvement, in my opinion, that that I've seen from at least from the spring game or a few of the spring practices that I saw to now is that his footwork is how quick he actually is. He's not very fast, but he slides around the pocket. He's got great pocket awareness. Um, he, he seems to really get in and out of, uh, you know, getting in those passing lanes. And I get, yeah, he is 6'4", and he is a big kid, but, you know, sometimes, you know, those big 6'5 offensive linemen, they're taller than you, so you can't really see over them. And he, he seems to just kind of find those lanes to, to, to throw the ball and then, kind of off the off the beaten path a little bit is what, what makes him special as a quarterback is he's a great leader and he kind of has he has that natural it factor about him just the, his personality um it's very easy going but he brings like almost like a calming presence but he also brings kind of like a a stern like hey guys i got this thing under control um let's go ahead and play ball and uh i think that's just something that you're naturally born with and uh all I know is I'm glad he's a Gamecock. Yeah, and there's no question. You, you've seen, and really, the entire team, it's not just the offense. It seems to have carried over throughout the entire locker room. There's just a new energy ever since he took over, which I think is just a credit to him more than anything. But the, I guess, emotional state of this team traveling to Missouri is going to be really interesting because two weeks ago you have Helensky's first start, so obviously there's a lot of excitement for that. Last week, I mean, if you don't get excited for the Alabama game, you don't have a pulse. So this is, you know, a, a little bit of a of a downgrade. You're going on the road for the first time. I'm very curious to see what this team looks like emotionally, and and you know, kind of what Ryan looks like in his first road start. Uh, your first road start, if I remember correctly, was in Athens in 2015. Is that right? 
Yeah, that happened to be my first career start. It was a great way to introduce me to college football. So, wow. um, What do you remember yeah, from no, the week leading up to that game? I just remember there was so much, um, you know, there, for, for me personally, there was a lot of excitement, a lot of energy about the game. Um, I, I was never really nervous until the day of the game. And I wouldn't say nervous is like I was scared, just kind of anxious to get out there and, and play ball. Um, obviously, now he's had, you know, two starts and one against Alabama. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going he's gonna to see anything much more difficult than playing a Nick Saban defense. But, you know, the, it is different because it is on the road. And when you travel and you're, you're throwing the ball in a different park and a different atmosphere and environment, it, it is different. But um, I think – I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see any any kind of hiccups or, or or anything like that with him. I don't think him going on the road is going to affect him, but that's another thing you got to figure out because he is young and you just don't know. But I, I fully expect him to go out and, and kind of play at the same level that he has been. And I expect him to have, have a big game Saturday. You know, Missouri last year was one of the worst pass defense teams in, in college football. And right now, I think they're in the top five, but – I mean, they played Wyoming, who runs the ball every play. So you kind of got to you take you take that with a grain of salt. So I'd be interested to see how he um, how he plays. I know Michael diced him up last year, and 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 I'm hoping that Ryan can get after him again. So do you feel like from an offensive game plan perspective, there's going to be more of an emphasis to have Ryan throw it early and often, short, you know, completable passes to build his confidence, or do you think it's a game where Carolina maybe leans a little bit more on the run, which Wyoming had success with, to set up? Ryan passing and not ask him to do too much in his first road start. No, I fully expect him to do exactly what they did versus Alabama. Get him out there, get the get the short passes going, get get the offense flowing and, and going in the right direction because when you're completing those short passes and you're getting seven, eight, eight yards every time you do that, then you can you can run that hurry up offense like like they really want to run. You know, that upbeat, up tempo offense where you know, you get an eight-yard gain, you run up and run another play, then you run it, and then you hit a play action, and then now you take a shot for the end zone. And, and that, that seems to be where this team is at its best is when, when they're getting the, getting the quarterback involved early. And then you can run the football from there. I think what, what we've seen is that they're kind of trying to open the run game up with the pass game. And so I think Saturday we're, we're going to have that opportunity to do that. Um, I, I'm, ex, I'm really excited to see because – you know, going on, on, a, on a broad topic here, you look at the Missouri game, and, and I've had this game circled on their schedule for since, you know, since the get-go. I thought this was going to be, you know, after game four, you kind of figure out what kind of team you got. We're going on the road against a good opponent. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, I'm really, really interested um, for this game Saturday. And it's a game that I, I really don't have much of a feeling one way or the other. I, everything that you read coming out of Missouri seems like there is – you know, I mean, respecting the opponent, but confident. People in Missouri think Missouri's going to win. People in Columbia think that South Carolina's going to win. And yet the line has stayed very solidly at 9.5. I've really had trouble making heads or tails of this game, but I do feel like Carolina's going to be able to move the ball. Who are, in your opinion, a couple of X factors that you think will decide the game for Carolina this weekend? I think it starts in the secondary. Uh, you know, we've got to play better. We, You know, J.C. Horn is a guy that, you know, we've been hearing now for for two years and all camp about how he wanted to be and he had the talent to be a top SEC corner and 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 he's he's got to shut them down. We've got to take away that past offense that they have. I mean, 
I, I get like it was, I, I don't remember the team they played, but Kelly Bryant threw for 400 plus last week and was really zinging the ball all over the field. And, and, you know, through to the three games, our pass defense has not been what it was hyped up to be. And uh, if we can find a way to slow, slow that down, we're going to score points. I don't think that Missouri's defense is anything special. I think Ryan's going to pick up where he left off Saturday. Our run game looks fantastic. Uh, we got to slow them down because if we get into a shootout, you never want a true freshman on the road having to get into a shootout in his first road road start. So, um, and then when when you play in the SEC, you got to pack your defense on the road, and and if you don't, you typically don't win. So, um, we've my my biggest player this weekend is probably JC. Yeah, that, that secondary. It's so interesting because it seems like. People have been very concerned about the defense, about missed tackles and things like that. And I think some of that has been overblown. But you look, and I think the defensive line has been better this year. I think the linebacking has been better this year. Um, it's really just kind of those two safety positions, kind of the other corner and that, that nickel that have given Carolina trouble at times this year. It hasn't even necessarily been kind of a consistent thing. But also, you're, you know, you're playing a guy in Tua, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You're playing a guy in Sam Howell that you didn't have any tape on and I think looked really, really good in his first start as a true freshman for North Carolina in the season opener. And uh, I guess Kelly Bryant is a little bit of a different beast in terms of someone that can throw the ball and that can run it. Um, he hasn't run it a ton, but one of the interesting stats from the Alabama game is Tua, his only two credited carries of the game were sacks. He actually didn't run it at all. So Carolina hadn't really overly had the deal with a mobile-type guy. And I guess you got an up-close look at uh, Kelly Bryant when he was playing at Clemson in 2016, right? Yeah, he. Um, I think he came in on some mop-up duty and ran around a little bit. But, yeah, he. Um, you know, he's progressed as a passer. I, I was actually intrigued to see how well um, he's been playing so far this year, you know, because he kind of has that dual-threat tag on him because he is a good athlete. But I tell you, they're keeping him in the pocket. But yeah, he does have that—he does have that ability to, to to scamper out and make some plays with his legs. If you don't if you don't contain him, I think your your best bet still is to to keep him in the pocket and get pressure from the inside. And and uh, and Javon's got the ability to do that. You know, he had just watching some plays um, and reruns of the game Saturday. Man, he he made himself some money dominating the interior of that uh, that Alabama offensive line. So we we need him to have a big game because not only will he help clog up, you know, running lanes, but, you know, he was getting after the passer too. And, and uh, we need him to step up big time on Saturday. Yeah, he's he's kind of like the guy that I'm circling as the, the player of the week every week for the rest of the season for Carolina because he is just such a disruptive force. And you feel like they, they're starting to, you know, a lot of those really good defenses that had NFL guys all over it, you're starting to – see more of those guys pop up with Javon Kinlaw and J.C. Horn and, you know, how do some of these other young guys kind of pan out? You know, Zach Pickens is still very young in his career, but clearly talented and has done a good job when he's gotten in and somewhat limited action. So I think if you're a Carolina fan, for those people that, you know, aren't so pessimistic that they already jumped ship after the North Carolina game and just aren't going to watch any more games for the end of the year, which I think is is their loss, there, there are still a lot of things to be excited about on both sides of the ball for Carolina. Yeah, there are. And here's the fact, man, is that we go out and you beat Missouri – which is a very winnable game. You beat Kentucky, winnable game. On paper, probably losing to Georgia, but you never know. Georgia's not world beaters. I mean, heck, man, we were we were a few plays here and there from giving Alabama all they could handle. And uh, and then you, you play Florida and A&M and, and Vanderbilt. And, I mean, you could still go out and win eight games, you know, easily, in my opinion. So you, you have to have that, that 
that positive mindset if you're a fan. But it all revolves, in my opinion, on this game. You go out and drop this game and go to one to one and three, and and then you come back home at night playing a good Kentucky team, and you don't have a whole lot of confidence. We hadn't beat them in five years, and and you and you hear the the doubters start coming in, and you you try to block it out, but as a player, you still hear them and you're still thinking about them. So. You know, there's a lot that we can be encouraged about about this team and about this season still. But you drop this game, and uh, you know things might get ugly. Yeah. Well, let's just hope that Monday we're not talking about that because uh, that, that's sort of that's sort of the darkest timeline here. But Perry, really appreciate you uh, letting us take some of your time this morning and sharing some of your insights and your perspective, uh, especially on Halinski, because it's it's very valuable from a guy that understands the quarterbacking position as well as anybody around here. And that's why you actually have an awesome quarterback camp, QB One Athletics. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. I um, I started training high school and, and middle school quarterbacks about, uh, yeah, I guess it would have been now two two years and some change when I got done playing. And it's really been just such a blessing to be able to not only give back as, as far as teaching the kids how to throw the, the right way and, and getting kids fundamentally sound, but teaching them kind of the ins and outs of being a quarterback. Listen, I, I had such a roller coaster career. I've been QB1. I've Honestly, I mean, I went from QB one to QB three in a week, and uh, I've kind of had a, an interesting roller coaster of a career from playing and getting benched, and then putting back in the game, and then getting benched. You know, so kind of teaching the, the mental side is something I take pride in because a lot of these kids understand, you know, they're or I should say they're starting to understand what that's like, and to be able to, you know, give that experiences or give and share my experiences with them is uh, is a great deal, man. So I've really enjoyed it. And you mentioned sort of off the top just how important it is to have that emotional stability. And, you know, even for guys that aren't necessarily natural leaders, there are still plenty of things to learn about leadership, just being a quarterback and things that have made Helensky successful and I think are going to be a huge X factor for Carolina uh, this week in Missouri. So that's a really, really important part of it. And I think something that people don't always think about. So if you all want more information, go to QB1Athletics.com. Uh, sign up for the camps. I know people that have done the camps personally and have said just amazing things about it. So uh, be sure to go check that out. And uh, thanks so much again for, for doing that and for taking some time for us this morning, Perry. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, let's go get a W tomorrow. Thanks again so much to Perry. Don't forget to check out QB1Athletics.com for more information about his quarterback camps. That's going to do it for us here on the Get Cocky Podcast until Monday. In the meantime, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, share this podcast with your friends if you like it and you want us to keep doing it. We'll be back on Monday, as will ACP. So much content going up right now on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network, and you don't want to miss any of it. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the Missouri game. We'll be back on Monday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.